Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father Almighty God, we just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do. My Father and my God, I worship you and we glorify you. We ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, that Father Almighty God, in your kindness, in your mercy, and in your grace, that let tonight be exactly what you have in mind. Father, change the lives of each and every person on this call. I ask this because your Holy Spirit is kind enough to do so. Let your word do what it says it will do. Touch our hearts, Father Almighty God. Let us understand clearly exactly what faith is, what it does, and what it will do. We give you thanks, praise, honor, glory, and adoration. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, ladies and gentlemen, how's it? I hope everybody has had a, a good week. Um, and even if not, God will make it a good one this week, and he will help you through it. So we begin. So we're going to go to um, session two. Good evening, everybody. And interestingly, what we're going to do is at the end of um, yesterday, last week's session, which I hope you enjoyed, um, I would love to find out how your week has been, but hope you enjoyed it. There was a question that we couldn't answer. And so we got to that question and I, and I asked specifically, I wanted to really grab it. I just Holy Ghost just made sure I, I grabbed it. And it was faith without works. That can we explain what faith without works is? And then we'll go from there. And so tonight, we will start from there. Um, so when we look at faith without works, one of the most interesting, and this is one of the beautiful things about the Bible, and this is what um, I find. When you want to know something what when we want to understand a phrase like faith without works the phrase is comes from the faith without works is dead it comes from the book of james and so i'll pull it up and then we'll read it and then we'll go from there so that's faith without works here we go so james chapter 2 and I'll start, if you look at now, let me really quickly explain, and then we'll, we'll go on to this. When James is, makes the phrase, he makes the phrase in verse 17, and he says, faith, even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Now, if you remember, one of the things we said about Bible interpretation is you always look at what went before and what went after and what came after. So what came before, James was explaining how we should treat one another, how we should keep the law, um, how we should um, act towards one another. And what you found is that he began to speak about kindness. And when he began to speak about kindness, he explained from verse 14, says, my brothers, what profit is it if a man says he has faith? That is, 
a belief in Jesus Christ leading to salvation, the salvation of his soul and leading to a change in his life. And he says, and does not have works, can faith save him? That means although you believe and you believe alone, will that just save you? Now, he then gives an example. He says, if a brother or sister is naked or destitute of daily food, and if one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give to them the things which are needful to the body, what good is it? Even so, if it does not have works, faith is dead, being by itself. And then he goes on to say, but some will say, if you, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith from my works. And then he goes on and on and on. The beautiful thing about that is our faith, and when we look at where, and we're going to look at faith today, when we see faith, faith will, has an expression. And the expression of our faith comes in the following three areas, our words, our thoughts, and our actions. That's our words, our thoughts, and our actions. So when James says faith without works is dead, what kind of works is he looking at? He's talking about the way you think, the way you speak, and the way you act. Now, based upon that, we, we can have a look at so what that says is, if I believe, and if the, the, when the phrase uses faith without works is dead, that means, let me put it into a simple phrase. If there is no corresponding action, then ladies and gentlemen, we have to come to a conclusion that we really do not have faith or belief or confidence in God. That means if our faith does not govern or change our words, our thoughts, or our actions, then in that case, we then begin to realize that we can say, okay, do I really believe what I'm saying? And that's what James was saying. Now, the beautiful thing about the Bible is we can expand on that. And so when the Bible says faith without works is dead, Faith is, where, where faith is present, there will always be a corresponding action, either in your thought life, either in your words, or in your actions. And so that's what it means. So, but let's break it down further. Um, the root scripture there is James chapter 2. And I read the phrase comes from verse 17 because um, somebody mentioned that what's the root scripture. And so I'm reading from James chapter two and I'll read from verse 14 and I read to verse 18. That's where I, that's how far we got. So that's James chapter two, verses 14 to 18. That purely speaks about, that's where the phrase comes from. We looked at what went before the phrase and we looked at what came after the phrase. Okay, fantastic. Okay, now, based upon that, let's expand that conversation. Because if we want to know exactly what it really looks like, let's look at a few examples in the Bible. Now, this is something else that I want you to realize. Whenever you want to understand something about faith, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot separate your study from what Jesus said 
and what Jesus did and what Jesus taught us. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, reading from verses one to two, and I'll read that. And then I'll go on to give you some examples of that will help us understand faith without works. And we'll move on into today's, but it's a very good question. I'm really glad it was asked. Hebrews 12 verse one says, um, therefore, since we are also surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking to, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right of the throne of God. Now, so that means whenever we want to refer to faith, we have to have a look at things that Jesus said or did. There's faith all over the Bible, but Jesus brought it home. The Bible says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay. And so that was Hebrews 12 verses one to two. Right. Now let's go on. So what we want to do is looking at Jesus. Now, this is a fact I found out eight times in the Bible. I found out that Jesus said eight times, he specific, in eight instances, he said, your faith has done this. Or he acknowledged that what he was looking at was faith itself. So if we want to have a benchmark for our understanding of faith, looking at those stories, and we're going to look at some of them today, Looking at those stories, we will then see some of the things that we're pointing out as answers in text. We'll see them come alive in stories. And so this is what we're going to do first. And so what does it mean when we say faith without works is dead? Let me point you to one of the first stories. Um, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13. And I'm going to read the story. And so I'll read through this one. Um, and then we'll go from there. Matthew 8, reading from verses 5 to 13. And the Bible says, And when Jesus had entered into Capernaum, a centurion came to him, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my son lies at home paralyzed, grievously tormented. And Jesus says to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word and my boy will be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard, he marveled and said to those who followed, truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say to you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 13. And Jesus said to the centurion, go, as you have believed, so let it be to you. And the boy was healed in that hour. If you read that in the King James Version, and I'll read just the last verse in the King James Version. And Jesus says, as thou hast believed, be it done 
unto you. He says to his followers in verse 10, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. So Jesus acknowledges what I have just seen is faith. Now, my question would be, so if that was the man, Jesus said, this is faith. What were the works that you can see around the centurion? They will give us an idea of when we say faith without works is dead. And so let's have a look at the first one. The first one is when the centurion came to Jesus, first he came to find Jesus. He took an action. That means he left where he was. He crossed cultural lines. Now remember, the centurion is a, um, he is in the, the part of the invading power. He's, he doesn't really need to interact with Jewish people like that. He was in charge. The Roman Empire was a conquering power. But he crossed the lines and he went to go and find Jesus. That was the first action. The second thing, so the first thing he did was he took an action. He heard about Jesus and he took an action. The second thing he did, when he came to Jesus, Jesus said, I will come and heal your servant. Then the centurion spoke. And notice what he believed came out of his mouth. So the first work was the action. The second work was what he said. And he said to Jesus, I understand you. I understand what faith is. This is my understanding of authority. And I acknowledge that you have authority. If I say to one of my servants, go, he will go without question. Therefore, based on that, you just speak the word and my servant will be healed. The Bible says Jesus marveled. That was the second act. So he, second thing he, what he spoke. So he had thought about it. He had taken an action and he spoke. But then the last work that we want, that sometimes is easily missed. And this is a fun one. Notice when Jesus told him to leave, there was no evidence there was none. We don't know how far his house was from where Jesus was to his house. Now, let's keep this in mind. Jesus said, you can go home. Your servant will be well. This is the last work. He turns around and he leaves. Now, what that means is he believed what Jesus said to the point that he stopped worrying, turned around, and went home. On his way home, the Bible records in one of the other telling of the stories that they met him halfway and they said, your servant is healed. And he asked, when did my servant get healed? And they said, exactly the time Jesus had spoken. So ladies and gentlemen, when we talk about works without, just to make sure this is clear, because I think it's such a brilliant question, there are three things you need to work on. Works come in three forms thoughts, words, and actions. That means if my thoughts, my words, and my actions do not agree with my belief of a promise, then I have to check the fact of whether or not I believe it. I can't actually say whether or not I do or not. What I will look for is, 
what am I saying? What am I thinking? And what am I doing? Those three things constitute a simple breakdown of what works is. And I hope that explains the scripture. Now, notice that, so that was in the centurion's case. And so ladies and gentlemen, what we begin to realize is, so what we'll do is today, let's, we're going to go through um, some of the facts about faith. That was a brilliant, I hope that answers the question. If, if, and hopefully we'll get a chance to go through a lot more, but that was one. So you begin to realize, and I could, and I, that pattern is found in every story that where Jesus picks up and says, this is what faith is like. This is how it works. And so you will begin to realize, ladies and gentlemen, as we come into this, as we keep going in our discussion, that what exactly, so we know that if we have faith, it will govern our words, our thoughts, and our actions. Now, let me go through, let me go through two more stories and, and, and they'll point us in, in, in a, a different direction. They'll point us around the same subject, but in a different direction. So let's have a look at another one. If you could turn in your Bibles, please, ladies and gentlemen, to Mark chapter 10, verses 46, and we're going to read past verse 50. And so Mark 10. And the Bible says the following. And the Bible says, and they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. And he said, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. The Bible then says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Sorry, I'm reading the old King James. What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said to him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. The Bible records, and Jesus, verse 52, and Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Let's have a look at that story and let's see whether we can see the elements of works. Remember, our faith will always be expressed through our works. That means what we say, what we do, and what we think. And so, notice, Bartimaeus goes, Bartimaeus is at the gate of Jericho every single day something changes and he realizes the next thing he, he the bible says is and bartimaeus heard 
that it was Jesus of Nazareth. Let me clarify. Please keep this in mind, ladies and gentlemen. Faith comes by hearing. Now, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to talk about that. I may talk about that. I will talk about that today. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10 verse 17. Wonderful scripture. But notice, let's look at it through a story so, that, so it becomes easier to understand. Bartimaeus heard it was Jesus. Now, what were the people saying? Because there was a crowd that always followed Jesus. The word had gone round that there is a man that heals. There is a man called Jesus that performs miracles. There is a man called Jesus and that he raises the dead. And all of a sudden, Bartimaeus would hear these stories. The Bible says, so when they tell him, the Jesus we have been talking about is going through Jericho, something happens. And this is where we see how faith kicks in. The first thing that happens, Bartimaeus starts shouting. And he says, listen carefully, he starts yelling because he can't see where Jesus is. So he starts yelling and he says, Jesus of Nazareth, have thou son of David, have mercy on me. This is where, so the two things we see. Number one, he's given it some thought because he doesn't just scream, Jesus the healer. He says, Jesus of Nazareth, thou son of David. He had heard all the stories. And he then says, have mercy on me. He expresses what he believes through his words. So we see his words. Word number one. Second, we see actions. The Bible says, and he began to cry out. And verse 48 of, of Mark 10 says, and many charged him. Many people started yelling, listen, keep your peace. Now, this I always found unusual. This is the beautiful thing about Bible study. Read the same story. When you're reading the Gospels, the Gospels sometimes tell the same story, but there will be details in that story that the different writers will pick up. When you want to get a clear picture, read the stories in the different Gospels. And I'll give you an example. This is one of the most wonderful examples. The Bible says in verse 48 that they told him, hold your peace. And the Bible says he cried out the more. And I always wondered, why were they so mean? This story is told in two places. And so let me pull it up for you. Yes. The story is also told in Luke 18. And I'm going to turn there for a minute and I'll come back to Mark 10. But let's go to Luke 18 and I'm going to go to verse 35. Luke 18, verse 35, same story. And the Bible says from verse 35, and it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. That's old English for Jesus was coming to Jericho. In Mark 10, let me go back to Mark 10. And Mark 10, reading from verse 46, and it says, and they came to Jericho. And then the Bible says, 
And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, same story, but two very important facts. The first one says Jesus was coming to Jericho. The second story says Jesus was leaving to go out of Jericho, meaning Bartimaeus had been shouting because he couldn't tell where Jesus was, but he knew there was only one gate at Jericho. Bartimaeus shouted and shouted and shouted, even when everybody else thought, look, he's not here. He's gone into Jericho. But Bartimaeus realized that, listen, this one I'm not going to let go. So by the time Jesus is coming out, the people are frustrated and they tell him, listen, why don't you just be quiet? Notice, faith requires persistence. This is one of the things you've got to remember. Faith requires persistence, even when it looks like it's all over. Keep going. Why? Because what you have believed is true. He knew that, listen, Jesus is a healer. Jesus will have mercy on me. So he keeps shouting. And so that gives us an, an insight into why they said, hold your peace. That's one of the interesting things you find out about the Bible. When you read and give the Bible attention, the picture that it draws becomes clearer. When the picture becomes clearer, the stronger your confidence in the God you are reading about. Let's go through. So, the first, so we see his words. We see his actions. That's his persistence. We've seen his words, O thou son of David, have mercy on me. He cries out for mercy. And then the Bible says in verse 50, they tell him, Jesus is calling you. And then Bartimaeus does something. The Bible says he cast away his cloak, meaning this is it. He takes an action that I'm going to take a risk. This person has my answer. I will do what others may not do. And he goes to Jesus. The Bible records Jesus does the most unusual thing. And please remember, Jesus then says to him, what do you want me to do? Many times, ladies and gentlemen, making faith or making your confession specific help your faith. Jesus said, narrow it down. What do you want me to, mercy could be anything. Mercy could be, do you want a better begging pitch? But Jesus said, narrow it down. That means if this doesn't work, let's acknowledge. If it, this works, we can talk about it. If it doesn't work, we know it hasn't worked. Jesus said, put it on the line. And Bartimaeus said to Jesus, notice, words kick in again. This time, words from the in, on Bartimaeus' insight said, let me receive my sight. Mercy became specific. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Words, thoughts, or a thought process, and action. Words, thoughts, and actions. So when we hear the word works in the Bible, Break it down. What am I saying? What am I thinking? What am I doing? Hopefully that makes it a little bit simple. But then the last one I want to talk about is this. 
the big one of the biggest acts of faith and i wanted to wrap this today i wanted to build on this today and then we may take questions is this the biggest act of faith you can take or the biggest let me say the biggest work let me use that word is this that when you come to believe the word of god it is when you stop worrying that you know faith has kicked in let me give you an example and this time i'm going to give you an example from the old testament and it's one it's, again the stories are all over the Bible. Turning with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel 1, and I'm going to read verses 18 and 19. 1 Samuel 1, verses 18 and 19. Because one of the key things about faith, and, I, and I'll break it down, one of the things that you've got to work on, one of the biggest works you've got to do is stop worrying. And I'll explain why. Verse 18. Again, Great story. Hannah's story. This is how she receives Samuel. It is quite famous. If you haven't read it, I really encourage you, please read it. Hannah comes to Jerusalem looking for a child. She has an interaction with Eli, the high priest, very similar to when you read your Bible, because the word of God was resting in and upon Eli. So when he spoke, God backed it up. The same way when you read your Bible, God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, will back it up. Eli says, first he identifies, again, this is preacher's material, so I'm just going to skip through it. He identifies Hannah. He says, lady, why, why, are you, why are you acting like you're drunk? She had been praying her heart out, and she responds beautifully to Eli. And she says, I'm a woman. I'm suffering. This is what I'm asking God for. She just said, I'm pouring out my heart to God. And then Eli says the following in verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that you have asked of him. What did Eli say? Eli said, what you have come to ask God for, may God grant it to you. In the very same way, when you read one of the promises in the Bible, because of the actions of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, that when you read a promise, because of what Jesus has done, God says in heaven, yes and amen. So when you take hold of one of those promises and you believe them, you hold on to it, God will honor it because of the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But this is the work that Hannah now exhibits that I want you to remember. Verse 18, she said, let thy handmaid, I'm reading from the old King James, I'll explain it if I need to. Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. Lovely, and lovely end of the conversation. But then works kick in. So words start, then the works kick in. And so the woman went her way and did eat. Then the Bible says in the old, I'm going to break this word down, and her countenance was no more sad. Countenance is your persona, how you appear to others, how you see life, 
your paradigm, the way you see the world. The Bible says she stops worrying. And when she stops worrying, because worry is really important. I'm going to come to Philippians 4 in a moment. Worrying is really important because worry sends a message to God. I don't believe you can get it done. Because worry indicates it can't or there's a possibility what you said will fail. The lady says, you can't go any higher than Eli in those days. You can't go any higher. This is the high priest. The Bible says she stops. That, that's it. I've got my word. And the Bible says she changes her outlook, her speech, her demeanor, her attitude changes. And the Bible says she plugs into her family's season of worship. The Bible said they worship before the Lord. They wake up early and then they go home. And her works kick in. She sleeps with her husband. This is key. This time, the Bible says God remembers her. Her faith had works attached. What were the works? The works were what she said when she spoke to Eli politely. What she thought. That's where your countenance kicks in. What pictures your memories, your imagination, and your perception, how do you see or appreciate what God has said? If your memory only digs up the times that things have not worked, then ladies and gentlemen, go back to the word again. Go back to God. Ask the Holy Ghost for help and begin to build up on it again. The second thing is she, your, your imaginations. How do you see the situation panning out? A picture of tomorrow. The Bible says her countenance changes. She stops worrying. And from there, her story changes. The greatest thing you can do for God when you take hold of his word is to believe it. Belief means I believe it to the point that it changes the way I see the world. It changes the way I see the situation I am in. It changes how I will respond to that situation. It changes my words, my thoughts, and my actions. The Bible says the next time she sleeps with her husband, the Lord remembers her. And ladies and gentlemen, as we as I bring this little section to, the, to an end before we take questions, I want to say this from the bottom of my heart. This week and this month and this year, may God remember you. Simply because you've believed something he has said. Works, the works that you add to your faith, your words, your thoughts, and your actions. The biggest one is stop worrying. Because trust means the way I see the situation is based upon God, not based upon me. And so, ladies and gentlemen, that is what it, so that allows us to look at. Now, I've gone through three stories. There are so many more. But for your reference, let me 
give you a list of the stories really quickly. You'll find where Jesus said, this is faith. The woman with the issue of blood, Mark 5. So Mark 5, verse 25 to 34. Great story. Please read it. It's also in Matthew 9, 20 to 22. So that's one. The next one is the man who was, had a palsy. Mark 2, 1 to 12. Great story. Mark 2, 1 to 12. We've spoken about Bartimaeus. He's number three. The Samaritan leper. I will. <laughs> the reason I'm not going there, ladies and gentlemen, that's preaching material. Luke 17, verses 11 to 19. Amazing story. Amazing story. All of these times, I'll keep going. The woman who washed Jesus' feet, that's Mary, Lazarus' sister. The Bible says Luke 7, verse 37 to 50. Luke 7, verses 37 to 50. It is in three places. It's in Luke, Matthew, and Mark. I've given you the one in Luke. I'll let you find the one in Matthew and Mark. Um, the centurion we've spoken about, that's Matthew 8, verses 5 to 13. And then the last one, so we've got the centurion. Yes. So those stories, <laughs> can I list the scriptures? Yes, I can. I'll, you know what? After this lesson, I'll send a list of the scriptures of where the stories are. So at the end of the teaching of faith, I'll give you a list of them. So what you begin to realize is, those ones, so all those stories say they end with a phrase where Jesus acknowledges what I have seen is faith. From there, you can draw your inferences in that this is how I can act when I have faith, but it will also tell me when I do not have faith. And that's what we'll look at next week. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to pause there. Okay, I'm going to pause there and then I will take any questions for this week. Any questions you have on faith. Um, and, but yes, I will send a list of the scriptures. So, Georgina, I will send you a list of the scriptures. Don't, do not worry, I will. And then we'll go from there. Okay, any questions? Please put your questions in the chat and we'll go from there. Any questions? I hope you've enjoyed it so far. And so next week we will look at, um, so next week we will look at how to determine whether or not we actually have faith. And then hopefully it will be a fantastic conclusion to listen to this tiny study. Have we exhausted, the, while you're writing your question, let me say this. Have we exhausted faith? No, we haven't. This will give you an introduction into the value and what faith is. This is really just an introduction, and that's what you need. And why am I doing it? Because when you now begin to go into the Gospels, especially the Gospels, it, you're going to have so much fun when you begin. All right, so I'll go on. So how do you find peace once you've established the faith? Your thoughts might sometimes be conditioned to your environment. Great question. Great question. So how do you find peace? Let's put it this way. Let me read to you. Um, 
one of my favorite scriptures, and I'm going to go to the book of Joshua. So how do we find peace? Joshua 1 verse 8. And I'll read it in the Old King James, but then I'll read it probably, I'll, I'll, I'll read it also in the Amplified Bible. So let me get the Amplified Bible open. And so Joshua 1.8 is one of my favorites. The Bible says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night so that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall have good success. To answer your question, please keep in mind, how do you establish your peace? The word of God on your inside, put it in your mouth. And, I'll, and I'm, I'm not being rude. Think about how Pastor Ago explained to us how to read the Bible. He said, read, study, meditate, which means to think about or imagine, and then add the last part, which is to confess. Okay, um, this is the last part, which is to confess. So when you want to establish your peace, put the word of God in your mouth. Begin to say it over yourself. Say it and say it and say it and say it. Now, I'm going to point you back to the study we had on the heart. There, and Pastor Agu mentioned it on Sunday. There are two gates to your heart, what you hear and what you see. So if I want my heart to believe anything, I have to say it and I have to hear it. That means once I'm doing that, eventually the process is unbreakable. The peace I am describing will come into your heart. So how do you establish your peace? Take the word of God verbatim and begin to confess it over your circumstances. So anytime a worry comes or anytime an alternative picture of that particular situation comes, Say over your circumstances what God says. Please hear me well. It's one of the most, one of the central parts of the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And let me use her as an example to answer your question. It's a very good question. The woman with the issue of blood had no idea where Jesus was. Mark chapter 5, reading from verses 25 to 35. She didn't know where Jesus was. She couldn't find him. But she went from synagogue to synagogue, village to village, town to town, and she was looking, following rumor to rumor, looking for Jesus. But the Bible says what kept her going, even though she was literally dying. The Bible says she said in her heart. The phrase I'd like to add is a Latin phrase, which is ad infinitum. She kept on saying it until she... <laughs> didn't need to say it anymore. And that was when she saw Jesus. She said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. She didn't say it once. She said it and said it and said it. She cried it. She walked it. She sweated it. She believed it. She said it to go to sleep in the cold. She said it while she was dealing, 
dealing with the people around her, she said it until the moment hit when there was a crowd around Jesus and she manages to touch his garment. There was a difference when that lady touched and everybody else touched it. Why? It had got into her heart. That is how you establish peace. Put the word of God in your mouth. Okay? All right. Can I explain the centurion story again? Um, I will, Amanda, that's a good one. What I'll do is let me think about it and I'll do a quick summary and I'll happily put it into um, a very short explanation. Either um, I'll put it up as a podcast or I'll put it up as an Instagram post or something like that, that will be able to allow me to explain it again. So it will be clearer for you. Um, I'll do so. Where can we find last week's Bible study? Um, all the Bible studies are now on our podcast. So if you go to our website, go to the podcast and you download them, you can listen to everything we've said all over again. So let me just make sure that question is answered. How do you establish your peace? You speak the word of God. The Bible says that the process of meditation moves it from your head to your heart. And the Bible says of your heart that with the heart man believes the word of God. And then the mouth confesses. And once that happens, salvation kicks in. Please keep that in mind. How do you establish your peace? Put the word of God in your, in your mouth. Um, does the expression fake it till you make it work in matters of faith? Is that similar? Is that similar to help my unbelief? Now, the phrase fake it till you make it is a popular phrase. It is not necessarily biblical. Let me explain what that phrase means. It means act like it until it becomes a reality. Now that's fine. But the only reason you act as if it is done is if the process of taking the word of God and turning it into faith has happened. Let me use Roman 10, 17. So faking it till you make it, just walking around saying that I'm a rich man, I'm a rich man, I'm a rich man, and I, wear, I may look like a rich man, walk like a rich man, talk like a rich man. That doesn't mean you're going to be rich. But when you take the word of God, which says, let's use Philippians 4.19, that God, you have met all my needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When you take that word and you speak it ad infinitum, where you begin to realize it begins to govern your words, your thoughts, and your actions. That means it governs how you see your memories. It governs how you see your past. It governs how you see your future. And it governs the perception of your present. Then the Bible says you will begin to act in accordance with the word of God. There will be an assurance that will come that when people meet you, even though you may be dressed in the poorest clothes, there will be an air of assurance that says, there's something about this person that's different. That is what we're talking about. That means you come to the place of faith where, and please remember, that place of faith where even if I don't have it, I'm confident enough in God to act as if it is done because I trust him. 
God doesn't deal with fakes. Faking something means present an alternative to the original. God says, process the word of God until it becomes, it governs your words, your thoughts, and your actions. And then before the answer arrives, you will act in accordance with what God says. And what would that be? It will be peace. You will not worry. And then eventually what you believe will become a reality. Help my unbelief. Notice the man that asked Jesus about help my unbelief is a different story. He specifically said to Jesus, I don't know what to do next. Help me. Ladies and gentlemen, please say this. Let me say this clearly. God will help you believe. When you are struggling, God will create circumstances around you that can help you believe. You'll find that in Genesis 15 verses 1 to 6. You will find that. Now, this is one of the other beautiful things that you find out about trust. God works. He builds faith through your experiences of him. Um, I'll give you an example so uh, to, to explain what I mean. I am watching the time, ladies and gentlemen, but you know what? We, 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 I, I will keep go as fast as I can. Jesus Christ was meant to believe God across the line of life and death, and he did so. But notice, God built his faith in the word of God over death. The first time you see Jesus come into contact with a person that has died was well, not the first time, one of the first recorded times, follow the progression. He comes to Peter's mother. He lays hands on her and she recovers from sickness. Then he comes in contact with um, Jairus' daughter. The Bible says on his way to Jairus' house, the girl dies. Jesus comes, speaks a word of faith, and the child raises again. Jesus, that's in Mark 5. Jesus, now in Luke 7, I'll make sure I am right. This is one of the fun things I have with the Holy Ghost. I never can remember where this is. Um, Luke 7 from verse 11. Fantastic, I'm right. Jesus goes to the city of Nain. They are bringing out a person that has died, but they has died that day. They're burying him in the evening. So now it's a 24-hour period. With Jarius, the child was only dead for a couple of hours. For in Nain, the person had been dead the whole day and been, had, had been embalmed to go to be buried. Jesus heals the person. Jesus then comes in um, John chapter 11. He comes to Mary and Martha's house. And this time God says, wait four days. By the time he comes to Lazarus, Lazarus has been dead to the point of decomposing. God raises him from the dead. So what has he done? He has established Jesus's faith in his word that when you go to the cross, my word to you, as you find in John 10, 18, is strong enough to bring you back from across the line of life and death. 
even up to the point of four days. Jesus was dead three. God will build your faith. So I hope that takes away the need to fake it. Because what that actually presents is do the work to believe it and then act on what you believe until your miracle arrives. That means you will go through a crisis with grace. You will handle a challenge with patience and fortitude. You will say of yourself what God is going to do irrespective of the circumstances. I hope that has cleared things up. It's one minute past eight. I will take one um i'll take if i'll take one or two more questions if i can't take them today i'll take them next week so the next one is thank you pastor but how do you stay in faith if what you believe for is taking a long time for example marriage and children are getting older where children may not be possible should i adjust my expectations and belief in what i am praying let me say this confidently, Mark eleven twenty two, and this is going to be next week's one. So I'm going to answer this in detail next week, but Mark eleven twenty two. let me give you a snippet. And the foundation snippet is this, your faith is in God. Remember what we said last week, faith is confidence in the integrity, the ability, and the willingness of God to do for you what he has promised. Faith is confidence in God's integrity, God's ability, and God's willingness to do for you what he promised to do for you. That means, ladies and gentlemen, if your faith and confidence is in God and you believe God can do it, let's settle something. There is no circumstance that we are facing on earth that is bigger than the God that we serve. So when you put your circumstances against God's ability, Luke 1 verse 37, the Bible says, for with God, no word shall be without the power of fulfillment or nothing shall be impossible. That means I don't have to adjust my expectations because, and I use a phrase that was very, um, that kept me going through a very difficult phase of my life was don't pity God. I'm not the one that does miracles. He does. And God doesn't want you to pity him. So We'll talk about that next week, and I promise we will. Um, okay, the next one is, what do you do when you clearly heard God say, what you clearly heard God say does not align with what's going on after years of prayer? Does it mean you should give up? Well, that's the same thing. Does it mean you should give up or ask God for a new miracle? Especially when every day, when you think about the situation, you see more things that appear as attacks to that situation. How do you know whether to have faith or to accept it or give up? Listen, this is the, let me explain this. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is the process where you take the word of God. You go through the process of read, study, meditate, and confess. In the process, the Holy Spirit causes a combustion whereby he it's the same place the same way you cannot determine when a lump of coal under certain conditions moves from being coal to being a diamond the pressure at one point there is a conversion something turns don't give up before the conversion point 
We don't know where that conversion is, but we do know that the person we are trusting is faithful. So it is his integrity, his ability, and his willingness to do something that we focus on. And that's what we commit our confidence in, not in the circumstances. Also, let me say this, and I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this up. Please keep this in mind. Put the word of God in your mouth. It will govern how you see tomorrow, how you see yesterday, and how you see the circumstances around you. I didn't say it would be easy. I just said it will be possible. So please keep that in mind. And I will deal with that next week. I will go into that next week. So it will give us the things that we can look at to know whether or not we are believing God or whether or not we're acting in presumption. Regarding the issue of getting into a relationship leading to marriage, stroke works, how would you advise young people regarding the issue of Christian dating websites? I will leave that question till next week because boy, will we have a lot of fun. That is gonna be so much fun. Remember, the one word that you've got to remember about relationships, and let me say this here, God has given human beings the ability to choose. That puts us in a whole new environment when it comes to, oh, I have faith for it, I have belief for it. And we'll deal with the issue of Christian websites, we'll deal with that, and we'll deal with the issue of relationships and what faith looks like when it comes to relationships. We'll touch on that next week. Um, it will be my pleasure. And then I've got one, is having faith as little as a mustard? And then you stop writing. I have no more question. So remember, Jesus said, you only have to have faith as a mustard seed. It's not the size of the diamond that determines its quality. It is purity. And we'll talk about that next week. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to stop now. Um, I hope you have enjoyed it. Someone said the sessions are too short. <laughs> um, I hope you had a great day. Um, remember, it's on a podcast. You can listen to it again. May God keep you. And I pray sincerely that God will remember you. Have a wonderful week, ladies and gentlemen. God bless you. 